Growth Igniters Radio, episode 77, three keys to keeping your entrepreneurial spirit alive despite success. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of growth on the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Thanks, Chris. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated, and with me is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, Scott. Hi, Pam. As usual, it's wonderful to be joining you for another episode of Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. And if this is your first time listening, our purpose is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas for visionary leaders to accelerate themselves and their companies to their next level of growth and success. So Pam, what are we taking on today? Three keys to keeping your entrepreneurial spirit alive despite success. Despite success. Mm-hmm. Perhaps some of you listening read an article in the July-August 2016 issue of Fast Company magazine called The New Rivalries 2016. It consisted of a series of pairings of what the author called the most surprising skirmishes in business and what it means for consumers and the future of competition. Wow. One of the pairings that we found especially compelling was the one between Walt Disney Animation versus Pixar. Yeah, that's that's right. And this is a, a classic tale of a successful company that is dominant in its industry mm-hmm. that starts to get a little stale. And you're talking about Pixar here. Oh, uh, I am talking about Pixar because uh, Pixar was a very entrepreneurial, innovative animation studio that when they started out was head and shoulders above everything else, all other animation studios. Of course, their first big hit was Toy Story. They had Cars. They had Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, and they completely overshadowed Disney Animation and everybody else for that matter. And in fact, in 2006, Disney acquired uh, Pixar and ran it in parallel with Disney Animation. So a very interesting case of intra-competition well, intra-competition. And over time, Pixar's founding fathers, John Lasseter, Ed Catmull, worked in the Disney Corporation, in Disney Animation, and they really led a dramatic cultural transformation of Disney Animation. And they did a variety of things. They empowered directors. They opened lines of communication throughout the company. They brought in a partnering and outside ideas and a lot of other things. And Ironically, Pixar started to kind of rest on its laurel. So here are two different companies. Now they are in the same bigger parent company, and they're struggling with staying entrepreneurial. One that was having a problem comes back up. The other one that was up was going down. Now, Pixar is still very successful studio. But the point is that the Fast Company article makes is that their culture, because they were so successful, they seem maybe a little insular and a little what we call stuck in the orbit 
of their success. And what they've been doing over the past few years is just grinding out sequels. Toy Story 4 is coming out. The mm-hmm. uh, You've got Cars coming out again. You have... Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it does make sense on one level, though, because sure. when you're talking about a studio with that level of scale... And every movie is a risk. That's right. So they have a greater reliance on what has proven to be successful. No, it, that's It's right. an important thing. It is. And so in fact, it's understandable. Yeah, it is understandable. And in fact, Finding Dory, which is a sequel to Finding Nemo, just released in June this year, 2016, it made $445 million in the first week. It, that's it's the right. largest grossing animation feature Amazing. ever in the United Amazing. States. Very good news for Disney, very good news for Pixar. But you're right. Here's the question. Yeah. Is it that Pixar has now regained their entrepreneurial spirit and so Finding Dory represents that? Or is it yet another example of a strategy of recreating with a twist what had worked in the past? Another instance of grinding the machine one more time, which runs the risk of getting stale. Sequels can wear thin. And they can be vulnerable if another studio comes up with other hits or new things that audiences are more more interested so in. So the things that they're going to have to watch out for mm-hmm. is how can they, and the they in this case is both Pixar and, and Disney, Disney Animation, right. how can they keep their entrepreneurial spirit alive, the things that got both of those studios mm-hmm. so successful over time, and... How can they keep it fresh because new competitors are coming up? That next big thing is there. They're going to have to increase their momentum. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to be very aware of the other things that are going on around them and how they can play their game even better. Even better. And this is unraveling the paradox that every company that's successful faces. Mm-hmm. You know, success is great. We love it. It's yeah, all of our stakeholders are happy. Our stockholders are happy. But if we fall into reproducing the things that gave us success, we can actually fall into a formula that does wear thin and makes us makes that success go away and fade. A a bigger lesson even than this mm-hmm. is the importance of shaping and reshaping the culture of Mm -hmm. an organization as we grow, as we become successful. Mm -hmm. In fact, despite our success, we have to look at which elements of the culture belong there, Mm -hmm. which ones don't. Recreating and freshening that secret sauce of creativity and entrepreneurism. And we know secret sauce has an expiration date. Ooh, and on that note, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll tap into part of episode 21 where we talk about some of the elements of shaping and reshaping your culture as your company grows. Stay with us. You are listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated. We focus on enabling visionary leaders to dramatically increase momentum for game-changing results. And we're on the web at businessadvance.com. If you're finding this episode interesting and useful, well, we have more. Check out a few of our related episodes to expand your perspectives and take away immediately useful ideas. 
Go to growthignitersradio.com, episode 77, and scroll down under resources. And while you're there, sign up for our weekly alerts of upcoming episodes so you'll always be up to date. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Today, Scott and I are talking about how companies can grow well into and even past mid-market size while still having that strong entrepreneurial orientation. Okay, so let's talk about the challenges and practices of shaping an entrepreneurial culture and operation as a company grows. I have one thing I want to make sure that we clarify here, okay. and that's that a culture exists from day one. It exists whether you consciously shape it or you don't. I still remember talking with somebody who is the CEO of about, at the time, it was about a $5 million company. And I said, tell me a little bit about your culture. And I expected to hear all kinds of things. And he said, actually, I haven't gotten around to putting one in yet. <laughs> <laughs> We're too entrepreneurial here. No, we don't have a culture yet. That's right. Uh, and to that, I say, you have a culture the moment that you go into business, because to me, culture is, it comes with being a person. Mm -hmm. It comes from all of your values and your beliefs and the way you go about doing things. So you can be a gang of one and have a culture. It's really about whether you're shaping mm -hmm. the culture. And that's really what he meant. I yeah. mean, I understood that, but it was just, no, we don't put in <laughs> cultures. You do shape them, though. Yes. And the shaping is the thing that is the trickiest part, mm -hmm. because as a company grows, we're also taken up with what it takes to grow, that it's hard to catch how much a company has changed over time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I see it with my own company. I, I saw it when you joined me. That's you right. You know, things changed for us, you know, when you came in. Yes. And so on a larger scale, it happens because there are all kinds of things that happen. New customers come in. Right. New technology comes in. Uh, Systems and processes. Exactly. And above all, if you're growing in your organization, whether you're taking on employees or you're doing more outsourcing, you've got additional points of view that are always coming in. And going back to that whole point of what do we mean about being entrepreneurial and how do we keep what made us successful in the first place alive and well and kicking and yet do that evolution thing that we need to do to support our growth. That's that's really important, keeping the eye on the ball. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to be able to take all of that in, and mm -hmm. that requires taking a hard look at all the ways that what you're doing currently actually reinforces that entrepreneurial spirit that you've defined, that mm -hmm. we talked about in the first uh, segment of this program. So just as an example, mm -hmm. Uh, one of the companies, another company that I was working with, this is before you had uh, joined me, okay. was very successful also, and they'd grown, and they'd grown substantially because they'd, there was a new demand for their service. And what ended up happening for them, because it was most logical, is they had grown into fiefdoms, and each of the fiefdoms had their own norms. Mm -hmm. And 
because these were very forward-looking people, the, they had realized that they couldn't stay just looking at a fiefdom, you yeah. know, a series of fiefdoms. That si- they, or silos. Well, silos. Okay. Okay. They could not... They could not stay looking at silos, mm-hmm. that they had to do something. People needed to work across functions as right, teams. Right. And yet they saw that by making some changes, mm-hmm. they still weren't quite getting where they needed to go. One of the things when I started working with them is they were just so mystified as to why this was happening. If they'd made changes, uh, why wasn't it working out? And what we discovered together is that there were certain aspects that they were looking at, but that there were other aspects that they were not looking at, such as who are the heroes in their organization? Okay. The heroes in their organization in this case were not the people who were working in teams. They were the people who were working through those silos. Okay. And or the, the, the cowboys, the people who went out and you know got the business and got the job. Yeah, they done. weren't actually even working through the silos, now were they? <laughs> they were they were doing I that. I remember this one, yes. Right. And so one of the things that they had overlooked was how many ways do we reinforce the culture that we're looking for? Okay and looking to establish. And in fact, in my book, Preventing Strategic Gridlock, right. we talk about eight different ways. And in the resource page for this particular episode, uh, we'll have that list okay. of the eight different ways that culture is reinforced. Okay, very good. So what you're saying is that as the company recognizes it has to grow and has to implement certain structures and and change how things are done, you know, they have a culture and they want to change the culture to a certain extent, change some things to reinforce. Now we're larger, we have to work in different ways. They have to look at all the different ways that what was may still be hanging on because people resist change. I mean, this is how I do it. This is what I'm used to. Where people come in from a different company different place and they say this is how I did it you know back where I was so you have to look at all those different ways that things are reinforced and done and again stay very conscious of what is it we want to keep what is it we want to evolve that's true in fact it really speaks to the idea that we get into leadership habits okay and a lot of the reasons that we do things especially when you're talking about getting work done, is it isn't always a conscious thought, okay, we want to do it this way, as much as this is the way that we do it. I mean, why do we have managers? Well, you know, because that's what I'm used to Mm -hmm. in a company, we have managers. And yet Zappos, for example, is looking at taking away managerial titles and coming up with totally a different type of organization. So here's a big company that wants to maintain its, they're over a billion dollars. That's right. And they want to maintain their entrepreneurialism. But there was a conscious thought about it. And so what I'm saying is that we get into habits of looking at as we grow and we want to become more efficient, we want to become more effective, Mm -hmm. that we are just so used to, this is how we do it, that it's almost a knee-jerk reaction. And people do the wildest things. I remember going into one company and there was a person there who was weighing the mail. Weighing the mail. Weighing the mail because it made (laughs) sense based on some legitimate needs that the company had many, many years ago. And 
Uncle Louie was doing the mail weighing because it made sense back then. They had to come up with some reason to keep Uncle Louie on. And but Uncle Louie wasn't there anymore. (laughs) No, yeah, I remember you telling me about that. But the fact is. Another, it's a habit of thought, a habit of leadership. So we have to look at whether our habits of leadership Mm -hmm. are serving us well. And really, it's the CEO who really has to own this process because that is the person, the top leader is the person who really is looking at the financials, the strategic, the operational, has all of that. That's the person who really is is accountable for making sure, for instance, silos don't take hold and keep hold and lock things down and things stay coordinated as as growth and that the things that they really value stay getting reinforced in the right way. Culture should be owned by the CEO. Absolutely. And yet in companies where there are boards. Yes. The board also has an ownership of what's happening, too although it is oversight. Okay. Well, that makes sense. So what we're really talking about is the importance of making sure that once you've identified what entrepreneurial means in your company, making sure that you are looking at all the different ways that being entrepreneurial as you define it is being reinforced or is being blocked. And then you're in a position to do something more about it. And we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about what exactly you might be able to do to start addressing staying entrepreneurial as your company grows. Stay with us. You're listening to Growth Igniter's radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated on the web at businessadvance.com. Does your company have what it takes to meet your current commitments and move fast enough to respond to new opportunities? Take the first step to confirm your perspective by requesting our free resource, Five Questions to Ask When You Need to Move Even Faster. Our questionnaire will help you find out where to begin to focus your energy and resources so that what should be happening really is happening faster and more effectively. We've developed these questions based on our work with clients in over 30 industries. We've helped them scale faster, make innovation happen faster, and more quickly respond to new opportunities. This has generated millions of dollars in top and bottom line growth. And now you can have this resource on a complimentary basis just for sharing your valid contact information with us. So don't miss out. Go today to growthignitersradio.com and select episode 77. Scroll down to resources and click the link, download five questions to ask when you need to move even faster. And to learn more about our success stories, go to businessadvance.com client results. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, Scott and I have been talking about how it is possible to preserve a company's entrepreneurial edge, even as it gets to be a larger organization. So now, Pam, let's get down to specifics. We talk about some of the ideas about balancing entrepreneurialism and growth. How do people actually do that? What's the first thing that you'd recommend? 
Well, remember how we talked about creating a common definition of what it means to be entrepreneurial? Sure. Well, that needs to be the first foundational thing that one does as a regular part of strategic thinking and planning. All right. And too often it's left off because there's a lot to do and we're not thinking about it. But again, if you think about how much can happen even in three months' time, making it a part of regular strategic thinking and planning makes a lot of sense. Okay. And so you want to communicate this with your organization, obviously, uh, new customers, new employees, outsource providers, and so on, and making sure that people have an idea of what behaviors do we want? What outcomes are we having? And having this all guided by the strategy, so making sure that people understand what are our strategic objectives and how are they evolving as, as we grow? And what is it that we need to keep our eye on as we continue this growth. I know that uh, some people, uh, as they grow, uh, some companies as they grow, as you said, they start to really hyper-focus on, well, this is, this is my accountability, this is my job, and I've got to really do this. And that's why some people have said, well, structure and process and bureaucracy stifles entrepreneurialism. It's because people sometimes lose track of all the aspects of the business that are important. Being customer focused, being flexible, watching out for where things are going and not just where they are right now and, and how I get my job done. And so having those conversations, this is very, very important, not always easy. That's true, but very worthwhile. I mean, We've talked about it before. When you ask people, why are you doing what you're doing? And how does it serve the customer? And how does it serve the mission and the vision of the company? That helps with clarity. Okay. Because sometimes people will say, I didn't realize that I was doing this. That's something I don't need to do anymore. Mm -hmm. And yet you have to stay coordinated. So that's the first thing. What's the second? Second is going beyond just saying what we want to do, what we want to see mm -hmm. is to actually go back and look, take an audit and find out how many ways what you're looking for to have happen is actually being enforced in the culture. And I talk about that being cultural advancers and blockers in the okay. book. And I talked about how this shows up we have to make it a regular practice to take a look outside of ourselves. And sometimes this means pulling in someone who's not just us, but an outside expert who can see all of these different ways. Okay. So getting that perspective, because we get locked into, we think we're doing a good job and we think we're moving along the path, but these, these weird things pop up and we don't quite understand why people are not doing things the way we, we thought they should be done. So you're saying that having a perspective and getting that outside edge or advantage of outlook can really open up those conversations. That's right. So what you're doing is you're looking at what you want to see happening. You're also looking at, is it happening? Right. The third step yes. is looking at why what you're seeing happening or not happening why it's happening that way. there's always a reason. There's always a reason. Even though it doesn't seem sensible sometimes. And the thing that is most dangerous is to assume 
that we know why uh, it's yeah. happening because there can be multiple reasons. As I had said in the example with uh, Uncle Louie weighing the mail, it didn't make sense, but it did. There were reasons why that had been put into place. Mm -hmm. There were reasons why it was continuing. And people had to step back and say, is this something that we still want to do? Is it important? In this particular case, they decided no. And in the discussion that we were having earlier about whether the company was going to invest in innovation mm -hmm. in a same way that they had been. Right. And looking at, well, what is it that we want to see happen? Again, they were doing something very really. They were investing in innovation at that point in time. Mm -hmm. And they had to decide, well, do we want to? And why are we continuing to do this if we don't want to? Yeah. And in, the, in that particular example, uh, the board and the CEO got together and decided to continue to invest in the, the costly at that point, the costly process of innovation and product development. And in looking back now, uh, over a couple of years, it's really done them well, and, and they're mm -hmm. far more profitable than they were at the time. So what we're talking about oftentimes is reconciling. So that's what all of this looking at, mm -hmm. and looking at the reasons why uh, really is, is because ultimately we have to come up with why is it happening and what are we going to do about it and reconciling it and coming up with what we're, what we're going to do going forward. So what you're really saying, Pam, is that growth is not necessarily the enemy of entrepreneurial spirit, but that it has to be shaped, cultivated very carefully, and it has to come from the top so that all the pieces fit together properly. And we have to look at it frequently as we continue to grow, because life changes, circumstances change, and the business environment changes. I couldn't have said it better myself. Thanks, Pam. And thanks to you out there for listening to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To get show notes and resource links for this week's episode, including five questions to ask when you want to move even faster, go to growthignitersradio.com and select episode 77. Until next time, this is Pam Harper and Scott Harper wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question to discuss with your team. What practical steps will we take to keep our entrepreneurial spirit alive and well as our own success builds? Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio are service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses, including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated, are prohibited. All rights reserved.